Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. And uh, today we're continuing our series called The Good Life. How many of you want to live the good life? Let me see your hands. All right, great. That's the majority of us. It's the good life. And so I want to help you with this, uh, live the good life. But there's some things that we have to learn about to do that. Some things that I struggle with as well. And today I want to talk to you about how to conquer complaining. How to conquer complaining. Anybody know anybody that's a complainer? You know somebody that's a complainer. You know them? Okay, yeah, that's right. And the majority of the time, we can look in the mirror and find them too, right? And so complaining, uh, complaining kills our joy. Would you agree with that? Complaining, complaining makes us unhappy. It makes you unhappy. It makes the people around you unhappy. But the problem is this, is that complaining is natural. Natural. But not everything natural is pleasant, is it? I mean, doctors tell us that, you know, it's natural to pass gas. But that's very unpleasant most of the time, Right? Okay, some of you go, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. And I can't either, but I said it, so uh, it's true. So if you have that urge, just keep, <laughs> keep it to yourself. I don't, welcome to SCC, everybody. You never know what's going to be said around here. See, my, my goal is if I can just scar you, you know? Then you, then you remember, like it's like a scar, you know? You can just remember it. I want to talk to you, there's four common... Um, Four common methods are types of complainers in our world today, and, and uh, these are not on your outline. I don't think you need to write them down, but there is the, the whiner, the whiner complainer. You know, every day they rise and whine. Okay, it's going to be that kind of crowd today, I can just see. That's all right, that's all right. Then there's the martyr, right? The martyr, uh, it, the martyr says this, it says, no one appreciates me. And then the, the martyr also does this when uh, somebody, you know, gets something good's happened in someone else's life and, and the martyr hears about it, they, they say this line, well, it must be nice. It must be nice. And then you have the cynic. The cynic is, it's never ever, you know, it's like the, the cynic would say this, the cynic would say, uh, nothing will ever change. It's always going to be this way. And then you have the perfectionist. The perfectionist is, is that it can never be good enough. Always complain that it's not good enough, you know. And so all of these ways are devastating to our lives. It kills our joy. It kills the good part of life when we constantly are doing that. And here's what I want to confess to you today. Is that I have been all the above. I've been the winder. I've been the martyr, I've been the cynic, and I have been the perfectionist. And I want to tell you today that as I uh, prepared this message this week to share with you, I've struggled this week. You know, because once you, once you begin to identify through God's Word as something, an issue in your life, it's sort of like the light comes on it. And so this week I have, I have struggled with this, uh, uh, this topic more than ever. I don't know why, because I, I, I guess I would just 
Just, I just jacked it up. Let me just give you an example of this. Like uh, uh, this week, Rhonda and I, we, Friday's our day off. And so Friday morning, we went to breakfast. And, you know, Friday's a day where we have, you know, we turn our phones off. It's like, you know, do what we want to do. And so usually those are nice, cozy days. You know what I'm saying? Well, the first thing, you know, we go to breakfast and, and she just says something. And I don't know what I'd... But I'm telling you what, I just opened up my big mouth right there. And before you know it, I was complaining. And I want to tell you, what was, could have been a nice day with her was not a nice day. Because I run my big mouth complaining. So now I'm complaining about complaining. <laughs> okay. Let's get started. Look what the Bible says. Philippians 2 and 14 it says this. Do everything without what? Complaining or arguing, Right? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault and a crooked and deprived generation in which you what? Shine like stars. I shine like the stars in the universe. So if you want to shine, if you want to be a step above, if you want to stand out, that's what most of us are always looking to do is try to stand out. We want to, you know, uh, we dress to try to stand out. We, we try to just make people notice us. Well, the greatest ways to be noticed is that you stop complaining. You know, people that, people that don't complain, the, the people that don't complain and argue, the Bible says they stand out. I, here's how you become a star. Here's how you, you shine, is that you, you learn to stop complaining and you learn to stop arguing. And when you do that, the Bible says you stand out. You become a rock star in your world and around you. People like you when you don't complain and argue. And so today we need to take that step. So I want to give you three things today that will help us do that and that I'm working on personally. I've already confessed that to you, that I'm working on, and, uh, and this helping me, I think it will help you too. So let's get started. So how to conquer complaining. Number one is this. Would you write this down? Number one, admit I have a problem with complaining. Admit I have a complaining problem. Admit it. It's amazing to me how easy it is to spot a person that's a complainer, right? I ask you as we started this, this uh, talk together today, I ask you, do you know a complainer? And many of you raise your hands, you, you know a complainer. It's very easy to identify them. But what's very difficult to do is to self-identify with complaining, right? In other words, it's hard for me to identify when I'm doing it. You know, I... I've told you this before, and it's so good. It's like complaining is like bad breath. You don't recognize it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. <laughs> right? I, I know I keep telling you that line, but that's a good one. You were here for the next 20 years. That one's got some mileage left in it, right? And, and so understand that, that we have to learn to recognize complaining. The Bible says this in Proverbs 28 and 13. It says this. A man who, refre uh, um, I'm sorry, a man who refuses to what? Okay, when he says man here, he's talking about mankind, so ladies, don't just check out on this, all right? <laughs> there we go, all right. Got to straighten that out. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be what? Just think about that. You want to be successful? You have to admit your mistakes. And then he goes on to say this. But if he confesses and what? Forsakes them. He gets another chance. Your next opportunity comes after you admit you made a mistake. Some of you are waiting another opportunity, but it's never going to come until you admit it. 
What I'm understanding this is that admitting is the first step in getting the power over my problem. Admitting is the first step in getting the power back over my problem. And so this is, this is a question that I would like to ask. Are you tired of being overpowered by your problem? Are you tired of that? Until, until, you, until you admit it, you're going to continue to give your power away and you'll be overpowered by your problem. But once you admit, I have a problem here, then guess what? Then you take your power back. And I don't like things having a lot of power over me. Do you? But take it back. Admit it. Admit it. And then he goes on to talk about, of course, confessing. And, you know... Admitting is, there's a, our culture today admits everything, don't they? I mean, that's why we have talk television, talk shows, right? People come on, they will admit everything. It's amazing what people go on television and admit. We have a culture, go on social media, they will admit everything, you know? And listen, some things you, you just need to keep to yourself. You know, don't tell us about your problems. Okay, I just better stop there, right? Because... The past gas didn't go there. That sure ain't going to go. So anyways, we're just leaving. <laughs> hey, listen, it's just Memorial Day weekend, right? Let's loosen up. So, um, so anyway, so what I want to say is that, you know, con confession is, is being remorseful about a problem. It's not just admitting it, saying, okay, I admit this, and then not doing anything about it. No, confession is being remorseful that, you've, that you did something, right? It's being remorseful, like... I remember, you know, when our kids were uh, smaller, my son, Tyler, he was a really uh, easy-natured going uh, guy. I mean, like, you know, little guy. I mean, like, he was a kid. If you, he was acting up, you just look at him. He's like, oh, okay, I'm good. You know, all right. None of, you know, unlike his sister that, you know, we had to threaten her life many, many times. But, uh, but anyways, so Tyler was great until Caitlin was coming along, our daughter, Caitlin. When she'd come along, you know, all of a sudden there was something inside of him that didn't like her. He just didn't like her. And so, you know, when Caitlin was like, you know, I don't know what, two years old, learning to walk. Or maybe not two years old. She walked a little bit before that. Rhonda will give me all the, she'll give me all the corrections here in a little bit. But anyway, she was a little kid. You know, she had that little Frankenstein walk. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So she's... So when it, but Tyler would go by, again, this very gentle-natured kid would go by. He's, you know, he's like four years older than her, so he would go by. When she's walking, he'd just bump her. Knock her right over. Then she'd start crying. You know, she'd start crying, and then we'd go back and say, you know, see him. Tyler, why did you do that? I said, now you tell your sister she's sorry. Of course, she don't understand what he's saying, you know. You tell her you're sorry. He'd say, Sorry. Sorry, you know, and oh no, heck no, boy, no, you tell her what you're sorry for. You go over and tell her you're sorry for knocking her down. Sorry for knocking you down. It didn't do any good, but hey, we made them do that, you know, like that. But what I'm saying is that there's a difference between uh, being remorseful, you know, saying I'm, I'm sorry and then being sorry and being, rem being remorseful and saying I'm sorry means that, hey, I don't want to do it again. And I, I really, I'm sorry that that hurts you. And so what we understand, with confession, we have to understand that confession allows God, when we confess, it allows God and other people to help us 
with what has been hurting us. And then when we allow that, guess what? At that point, then we can begin to forsake it. So when we confess, the reason that you have to confess is a moment that you become remorseful for, not just admit it, you admit it, but then you become remorseful for what you have been doing. At that moment, you allow God's power to come in and help you, and you allow other people to help you from whatever, helping you get better from what is hurting you in order that you may forsake it and not repeat it. Does that make sense to you? So we have to repent. That, that's what confession is all about, is doing that. So today, this is what I tell you. The reason that I talk about becoming a Christ follower all the time is this. Is that until you not only admit I've done wrong, but then you take the next step in confessing. That means, God, yes, I've done wrong, and I feel bad about it, and I don't want to do it again. So God, help me. See, watch this. You will never, you will never ever be right in your life until you do what is right. And the only way that you can do what is right is that you have a righteous relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what righteousness is all about. He makes us right. He helps us be right. He helps us do what's right. And listen, if you could do this on your own, you would have already done it. If you can make your life better on your own, you would have already done it. So today, I just want to tell you on this Memorial Day weekend, why don't you just step across the line today and say, okay, Lord, I'm done just admitting that I've screwed up. Today, I'm sorry that I'm making all these mistakes and I need you in my life. Why don't you go ahead and make that decision and step across the line. And the way that you do that begins with a prayer. And most people don't know what to pray they don't ask the one question. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. So that's why we put one inside of your program right here. It's a prayer for you to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower. It helps you. And so we want you to I want to encourage you to do that. Now, when you pray that prayer, because people do it every week in our services. Listen, many of you graduated high school. Don't you dare go into college without Jesus. Many of you graduated middle school. You go into high school. Don't you go into high school without Jesus. You need it. So we ask you to, you know, pray that prayer and ask Christ your life and then check it on the back of this card uh, that I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay. All right. So let's go to the next one. So how, we're talking about how to conquer complaining. Number two is this. Would you write this down? Practice speaking encouragement. Practice speaking encouragement. Now, are you ready for this? I have this coming up on the screen. You might want to pull your phone out and take a picture of this. You might want to help some people on, on, on social media with this. You ready? Let's read this together. Ready? Come on. My words are the steering wheel. Let's read again. Come on. Ready? My words are the steering wheel of my life. So if you can get that right there, then, then some of your, your life's going to get better. The problem is, like I, to, I told you about me, that, that Friday morning... My words are the steering wheel of my life. And I want to tell you something. I ran, I ran my life right into the ditch Friday morning. Into, uh, the ditch. I mean, right there, Rhonda and I went, we went for a good breakfast, but I opened up my big mouth. And I took that steering wheel. And she said, well, you know, I'm sorry I even brought that up. And I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Crashed it right into the ditch. The rest of the day was not too pleasant. You ever done that? Oh, no, you've never done that. I'm sorry. 
So, so your words are your steering wheel to your life. And, and so, listen, and let me just say this to you. Not only what you say, but what you key in on social media as well. Some of you just need to chill out. Dear God, your life will get better if you just hide your phone for a while. Woo, glory to God. I'm, boy, I'm feeling the spirit now, aren't I? I don't know which one it is, but I'm feeling something. <laughs> and so, understand that. So my words are the steering with my life. I drive, just like driving your car, the steering wheel. What you say drives your life. And so the, what I want you to understand is this, is that complaining many times is a warning light that something's wrong in me. When I'm constantly complaining, or when I'm complaining, it's usually a warning light that something's wrong in me. It's not they, it's me. It's not they, it's me. It's not they, it's me. And so let that be a checkup for you. And so we have to move from that. We have to stop complaining and start changing. Now, I want to tell you something. I've told you for years here that you can't change people. Everybody agree with that? You just can't change people. You agree with that? Okay, you can't. So stop trying. But I found something this week. I found, I found a little bit of something that, that will help change people a little bit. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Okay, here it is. Okay, there's three of us. Thank you so much for you guys over here. I appreciate that. The rest of you aren't too excited about this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. If you want to change people, here it is. The best way to change people is you change. When you change, they have to change how they respond to you. Right? When you change, when you change then they have to change how they respond to you. And, and so what I found out is this, is that, you know, like, People can get upset really quickly today. You agree with that? You agree. So the other day I, I called a, a doctor's office here. I was going to, uh, had to have a checkup. And the receptionist, uh, 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 the person that answered the phone, you know, I could tell that she wasn't having that great of a day. And, and she was taking it out on me. And I was just asking some simple questions. Well, I want to tell you, what I was tempted to do is say, ma'am, uh, do you need me to hang up and call back again so you can go find your good mood? Are you tempted that way as well? Okay. I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm sorry if you can't take this, but... But instead, I passed this one test. Hallelujah. And I said, ma'am, uh, can I ask you something before I go? Can I ask you a question before I go any further? And I could just hear that, what? And I was like, you know what, uh, there's a possibility that I have to have surgery. If I had to have surgery, then, you know, does your, does, does your doctors go to this hospital? Because my insurance will only cover that. And so she was sort of relieved out there. But anyway, I'm just saying that, you know, it would have been very easy to, to do that. And, and people, are, people are hostile all the time. And you know the look when people are mad, right? When people are upset. And you can do this. You, you can use your words and, and you can steer that conversation right into the ditch or you can change. And when you can change, it changes the way people respond to you. They can, listen, when you're being nice to people, it's hard for them to be, a, to be mean to you. I mean, you know, is you just keep, when you keep being nice and you keep driving your car the right way, it doesn't matter how much they, finally you break that because they can't be a jerk but for so long. Until good overcomes them, right? Amen, Jeff. 
The quality of my words will determine the quality of my life. The quality of your words will determine the quality of your life. So what, kind, what quality do you want? What do you want? I mean, like, how do you want to live? Do you want me fighting all the time? No peace? Then go for it. Just don't do it around me. <laughs> Grab the steering wheel today. Take control. Take control of your life. The Bible says this. Ephesians uh, 4 and 29 says, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is, let's read it, ready, come on, helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may what, let's read it, benefit those who listen. So the best way to do this, the best way to, to speak positively, positively is begin to encourage people, encourage people. Now, would you agree with me that there's more discouraged people in our world than there are encouraged people? Would you agree with that? There's more people discouraged. I mean, like, what is the, you know, uh, one, out, one out of ten is encouraged, the rest are discouraged. And, and here's what I've discovered, all right? Watch this. The reason that people are discouraged and the reason that you and I get discouraged is because of this. It's because we had courage, right? We had courage, and then someone come along and, and, and we're discouraged because they stole our courage. Some, someone, somewhere along the way, someone or something come along and stole our courage so we are left with discouragement. We have no more courage. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's where your job comes in, my job. Because people are walking around discouraged. They've lost their courage. Something stole it. Something, something's taken away or someone has taken away their courage. What our job is, is that when we walk around and we begin to encourage those people, guess what? We give them their courage back. When you, when you begin to encourage people, when you begin to, to tell them that you can make it, it's going to be all right. What you're doing is that essentially you are giving them their courage back. So discouragement has to go. Courage comes back in their life, and they're able to take the next step in their journey. They're able to do what they need to do. They're able to go on another day. Why? Because you gave them their courage back. You gave them their courage back. Give them their courage back. Now watch this. People that are discouraged somehow have driven their life into the ditch. And they're discouraged because they're in the ditch. You ever been in the ditch? Discouraged? But what you have an opportunity to do, and I have an opportunity to do, is that we get to be the, the tow truck. We can be tomato. Did I say that right? Right? Okay, you guys don't watch uh, cars. Thank you very much. You get to be the tow truck that comes up with your words of encouragement. It's, it's like being the tow truck that hooks to them and pulls them forward and pulls them out. And you get to lift them up and you get to be the person that says, you don't have to be discouraged because you can make it. You can do it. And when you do that, you give them their courage back. And they say, you know, they're going to point back to that day that you come along and they were about to give up. But you gave them their courage back and therefore they can make it in life because you encouraged them. You gave them their courage back. Gave them their courage back. Wouldn't it be great that our church would be known as the encouraging church? Wouldn't it be great? 
That, like when you walk, when, when you come up on the campus of SEC, that there would never be one grumble heard. No gripers here. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think I'll just put a, put a little box up here at the, at the road so when you're coming in, so if you've got a gripe, you can put it in that box so it won't come here. No, no gripers here. And you are, let me just tell you, you are good people because we don't hear a lot of griping here. And I just thank you because that just tells a lot about you. Wouldn't that be great? Because when people drive through our campus here, guess what? They're discouraged. And so when they, when they, when they drive onto our campus and they come into the parking lot and someone waves at them, guess what they're doing? That person waving at them is giving them courage back. When they come through the building here and they meet our greeters and people are saying, hello, how are you? Guess what? They're giving them their courage back. You know, when they go to check our kids in, in that line, right, to get in that line to check the kids in, and people are talking to them and are friendly to them, guess what? They're giving them their courage back. When our ushers are helping see people, they're giving their courage back. Everything that we do here every week is to give you some courage back that you can walk out there on Monday morning and say, you beat me up last week. You knocked me down. I left discouraged, but I've got a good word from Almighty God, and I'm encouraged today. I got my courage back. I got it back. I got my courage back. And so we want to walk around. And so that's why we call our, our, our volunteers here impact team, because you make an impact. And what I, one thing I would like to encourage you to do, listen, we want more of you to be a part of the impact team to make an impact with your life. And we have growth track. It starts next Sunday as our first step of growth track. I'd love for you to sign up on the back of your connection card. Check the box so we can send you information on the back of your connection card that you can discover more about SEC and then you can find out about your gifts and talents and that your life can make a difference. And so please join that with me. Okay, I got a next step for you. Here it is. It says, I will do my best to speak encouraging words to those around me. Would you check that box today? Because you're going to have to do your best to do that. Just do my, I will do my best to speak encouraging words around. You say, Pastor Jeff, why would you want to do, why would you want us to do that? I'll tell you why. Because encouraging people are encouraged people. Encouraging people. When you encourage other people, you automatically get encouraged. You give your courage back to yourself when you encourage people. All right, number three. You ready? Is this good stuff? Is this good? All right. Again, thank you so much over here in this corner. You guys are awesome. The rest of you, I'm not so sure about. You're scaring me. Number three. You ready? Write this down. Develop the attitude of gratitude. We're going to conquer complaining. Develop the attitude of gratitude. Look what the Bible says. You got your pen out. I want you to circle a couple words. He says, be joyful when? I want you to circle that. Pray when? I want you to circle that. Give thanks. And what's those next three words? In all circumstances. Well, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay. I want to tell you a couple things and we're going to wrap it up. Complaining makes us ungrateful people, and many times it's the ungrateful people that turn into hateful people. Do you agree with that? So when we complain, it makes us ungrateful, and then eventually ungratefulness takes us to becoming hateful people. Now I want to help everybody in this room. You ready? I want you I want to help you, okay? Watch this. 90% 
of all cable news and talk radio is complaining. 90%. If you consume, if you consume six days a week of cable news and talk radio, you're very likely to, to turn into a complaining person because everything you listen to is complaining. And so you're very likely to turn into that. And what I want to tell you is this, listen. You're wondering, why, why is my life not getting better? Why am I so uptight? Until you turn off the bad news, you open up the good news and get connected to Jesus Christ through prayer, the best news of all, your life is never going to get better. Amen? Amen? Listen, I nor God can help you have, have a better life if you continue to open up your heart to all the junk. Six days a week, you're, you're filling your stuff with this, and then you give me 30 minutes and expect me to turn it. No, I can't do that. you got to help me out. Click it off. Turn it off. I challenge you, fast it. Give it away. Turn, it, turn, on, turn on, your, on your drive to work, turn on, hear the weather, hear the, what's going on. 15 minutes, and turn it off and turn the good news back on. And watch what happens in your life. So, if you want a good attitude, an attitude of gratitude, if you want an attitude of gratitude, we have to turn the bad news off. It's impossible to be hateful and be grateful at the same time. You agree with that? Yes. So turn on something that makes you grateful and like the good news. Now, notice the last part of that verse I said. I said it says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. So there's a difference, all right? There's a difference between in all and for all. I sort of discovered this uh, a couple months ago in a new way. I was meeting with a pastor in North Carolina. He has a, a large church. He's been in his community a long time. And he told me a story about a guy who comes to this church. His name is Rick Hendrick, uh, Rick and Linda. Matter of fact, uh, if you're not familiar with Rick Hendrick, uh, there's a dealership. Matter of fact, does anybody hear a little jingle in your head right now, right? What is it? Let's say, you ready? Come on. There you go. Rick Hendrick Chevrolet. That's it. You got it. You got it. So, um, and he, he owns some racing teams as well. And matter of fact, some of these guys have driven for him. Uh, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. If you're NASCAR people, you understand who they are. And so this man has been very successful in his life. But something tragic happened in their lives, in Rick and Linda's life in 2004. It was a race day, and the race teams had already went to Virginia, Martinsville, Virginia. And so they were going to fly over, you know, that Sunday to watch the race. But Rick was not feeling well, so he and Linda stayed home. And, but his son, uh, Rick Jr., got on the plane, and his brother, John, got on the plane, and his, John's two twin daughters got on the plane. And then there was uh, six other crewmen that was on the plane as well. And they took off to fly to that race, and then something tragic happened. The storm, there was a fog come in, they missed the runway and crashed into a mountain. Well, the news come to everybody that there had been a plane, that the plane, the plane was missing. And then when it, it come, the news comes that it was down, and then it was, this pastor's telling me because he's been called to their home by this time. 
And so they're waiting, hoping that maybe there's some survivors down there and there's still this bit of hope. And, and they're in, in, in uh, Rick and Linda's home. This pastor said he's down there meeting with the people. And Rick and Linda are upstairs in the bedroom by themselves. And he says, the word comes in that there was no survivors. All life was lost. He said, it was my responsibility at that time to take this word from the authorities, Rick and Linda, and let them know that their son had been killed, his brother had been killed, and their two nieces had been killed, and the six other crewmen had all lost their lives. He said, I slowly made my way upstairs to where they were, he said, I was thinking about how are they going to, what am I going to say? I don't know what to say to give this news to them and how are they going to respond. And so he said, he kn- I knocked on the bedroom door and as I knocked on the bedroom door, they invited me to come in. So he said, I went in and there, there they were sitting on the side of the bed in silence. He said, I looked at them and said, Rick and Linda, I don't know how to tell you this but they found the plane and there were no survivors. He said, at that moment, as soon as those words left my lips, he said, Linda jumped up off the bed. She threw her hands right in the air. She said, God, I told you a long time ago, I would praise you in the good and I would praise you in the bad. And God, this is horrible. I'm hurting. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. My, my guts are leaking. I'm breaking. Oh, God, inside. I don't know. But you are good, God, no matter what. You are good. You're a good God. Right there in the middle of her most tragic moment in life, she declared that God is good when everything is bad. If you're going to be grateful, look at the next verse, what it says in Acts 3. It says this, Repent then, which repentance is another word for turning, doing a 180, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That Look at this next part. That the times of what? Refreshing. May come from who? The times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I'm telling you today, listen. Many of you are sitting in this room today. And some bad stuff has come your way. Your kids have, it's been horrible. Your parents, it's been horrible. Your job, it's been horrible. And all you see, your marriage, it's been horrible. And all you see right now is the bad. You got your eyes so fixated on the bad, you can't see, you don't even know about God right now. But I'm telling you that God is still good in the bad. Well, even why I think they're so bad and you don't know what to do, there's, we still have a good God who's on the throne. And this is what he's done. He's inviting you today because you're so fixated on the bad, you can't see him. God wants to refresh your spirit today. And what he says is that you turn your eyes back to Jesus and let him come in and give you comfort that you need. Let him give you the peace that you need. Let him give you the joy that you need. Then this moment right now, God's inviting you to turn your eyes toward Jesus that he can refresh you with the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me now? I want to give you this opportunity. The days we pray, as I just want you to turn, just turn your eyes 
get it off of what's going on. Just like Linda Hendrick did. God, this is bad, but you're good. You're still good. And I'm going to praise you no matter how bad our good life is. You got it. Would you do that right now? Heavenly Fathers, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, God, that they would just turn their eyes toward you, that they may see you, oh God, and that you may breathe into them, oh God, life, and that you may give them a sense that they're going to make it and it's going to be okay. I know it's hurting now. I know it's difficult now, but God, you've got this. You're not only the God of today, you're the God of tomorrow and that you're going to hold their hand. Let them turn to you, oh Lord. Let their eyes go to you that you may refresh them. Be refreshed right now. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.